0: It's Gilbert Godfrey here. Please join Mike Andrew for the next episode of
1: Slam Drum.
2: The Bears season's gonna end on a double doink.
3: That's a final question, bro. I'm eating burritos bigger than you. You know, that's why I'm like the maple syrup. Syrup drizzle. You gotta make that play right away, baby. Is a hot dog a sandwich? He's not a sandwich. He's not a sandwich. Because water is
2: a wet. Welcome to Season 2 of Slam Drunk. We have a great episode in store for you guys. I'm Drew Hernandez IV. We just finished interviewing our first former NFL player in this episode, and we're fucking excited. I'm Drew Hernandez IV again, and my co-host is...
4: Michael H. The H stands for Harrison, comma Chris, interviewer. That's just a quick...
1: Ooh.
4: Uh I'll let you know of what's gonna happen, Westner. Yes, we have a remixed intro. It's fucking fantastic. It's not better or worse than the last one, but if I had to rank it, I would say it's number one.
2: We've already drank
4: our six beers.
2: This episode we reviewed Stella. I'm so fucking hyped. I opened another beer. I'm drinking a classic Drew buck and we are moving into what to expect in this season. We have a lot of surprises planned. And we are definitely not making up what we do in this podcast on a week-to-week basis. That is not what we're about in any way, shape, or form. Even though you might think, does Drew have a final dude tonight? Yes, I have a final dude tonight, and I'm seven beers deep. And yes, I procrastinated it, but it's because I don't procrastinate what we're doing for
4: Slam Drunk. You want to talk about procrastinating Slam Drunk? Uh Uh-uh. No. No way. We have a pro-athlete former professional american football offensive tackle on our show yes our show slam drunk the shitty little friends drinking beer and uh talking sports with each other during the pandemic show well uh, we're vaccinated and the pandemic is almost over not quite but we have a pro sports athlete with us today
2: but first before we get into our interview with Chris Hairston, former offensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills and the then San Diego, now Los Angeles Chargers. We have housekeeping. Initially, in housekeeping, we have a Drew's championship song. Drew is the <coughs> champion. Drew, me, is the champion from our fantasy football league for the 2020, 2021 season. And he absolutely fucking wrecked everyone's shit. And August is here to tell you the fable about it before we listen to the song. August, I need some
0: fucking fiery passion from you here, okay? I can do 1950s newscaster or I can do...
4: Newscaster.
0: This is the story of Drew Football Man Hernandez. Drew won the Fantasy Johns 2020 Fantasy Football League. He collected the league's $75 prize and being the genius that he was, he invested into GameStop. With the millions of dollars he gained through the investments, he created his own chain of sports bars named after his beloved fantasy team, Powder Blue Balls the Bar. Drew's traditional chicken wings made him famous across the world and he quickly grew tired of all the fame and glory. The only thing he felt he could do was buy an island and try to get away. Before he left though he recorded a song to remember his historic 2020 fantasy football season. There's also a joke in here somewhere about which island he bought which song he sang but we're too lazy to get into that right now anyways. Here's Komoto.
1: Com- com- co- 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 Kokomo you fucking co- co- God damn it. Co- 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 co-
4: Is it gonna be Kokomo? I love that song. Here we go,
1: fellas. <laughs> A William then Michael, ooh, I had to beat Lou. Then Trevor, then Ogdog, come on, crown your papa. Hey, Herbert and Keenan, thanks for helping me win. Remember, all of you are come. Got covered in powder
4: blue That's fucking foul You
1: and me, we always knew How it was going to end Bodies in the ground King Drew, don't you like the sound? Thanks for coming along While I reign supreme as football man All hail King Drew, and August, and Trevor, ooh, I love to beat you, and Louis, and Bill, come on, try again, and Michael, my co-host, now a fantasy ghost, I am King Drew, I lost early, but everybody knew, this is where I was gonna be, up here at number one glorious. Nice. I also
2: just remembered, I have a final due tonight.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. What is it on? Should we help you while we're recording?
2: I don't know if you ever heard of this, but this is my absolute favorite beer. Highly recommend it if you're ever looking for something new. It's definitely a little bit
3: darker. China Box is a top tier. That's a top tier beer. I've had this before.
2: A couple times. Nice. Glad to hear that. This This is my go-to
1: fishing
2: beer all right welcome back to season two of slam drunk and this week we are very lucky to be joined by special guest chris harrison chris played football at clemson and was drafted by the buffalo bills in the fourth round in the draft in 2011 in 2015 he signed with my favorite team the then san diego and currently los angeles chargers so let's all crack open a beer and welcome chris to the pod chris thanks for coming on thank you for
3: having me man thank you
4: and that beer cracking audio.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll start us off with a complaint about Stella. We're doing Stella for this episode, and I'll start us off with a complaint. I do not like this little wrapping around the rim here. I think it's pretentious, and it, it's blocking my entry.
3: <laughs> it's funny, because it's like a ritual now. I drink, I drink a lot of Stella, so it's like you got to tear this whole thing off, or it really, really bothers you. Chris,
2: we usually drink a few beers before we start recording, but we thought since we have you on this week, we could drink our beers while spreading cheer in a segment that we call, I'll drink to that.
4: So in this game, we're gonna go around and just say a few things that we're grateful for, things that we wanna cheers to, and just a couple things that we wanna shout out. Maybe it's something good that happened to us this week, something we're thankful for in a year that's been kinda hard, just anything we can drink to. Drew, you wanna go first? I'm
2: in New Mexico. I'm a special education teacher in New Mexico. And um, I've been working with kids for most of the year. And recently got my second dose of the vaccine and uh, the, the Pfizer and my family, everyone in my nuclear family, except my younger brother also has at least their first shot.
4: I'll drink to that. Drink to that. All right, I'll Mike, take a Mike, you want to go next? 100%. This week marks one year since I started working from home. I work at a law firm. I do communications uh, and I'm not a big office guy. It's my first office job. I love everyone in the office, but I hate my commute. Uh, so I am drinking to one full year of working for home and hopefully a lot more flexible working situations in the future.
3: I'll drink nice. to that. Yeah, I'll drink to that. Chris, you got anything? Definitely do, man. Uh, I had a tough week, kind of some tragedy in the family. It's been good, you know, getting a lot of people reached out, just saying a little something on Twitter. and Just kind of want to be thankful for the family, the time I've had with my kids and my wife. The kind of peace we've been able to maintain throughout the whole pandemic. am kind of thankful for being able to hold on to that. So I we'll drink to that. I'll yeah, I that that. Definitely.
0: All right, I'm going to jump in here. I am so damn thankful that we are doing this podcast when we're on different continents, that we got to do a whole season one. We started a season two, and we get to start off with such a great guest.
3: I can drink to that. Did he call me a great guest? When I don't even know if I can drink
2: that. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with another one as well. Um, today I have – I ate a sandwich for lunch, and that's pretty much it. I didn't drink any water today. We've been doing football practice. It's thrown off my whole sleep schedule and everything. So I am probably here to get plastered on this episode. So, Chris, you might have to take over my spot, kind of hold down the reins over here because I might be sleeping on my couch
0: by the end of this. <laughs> hey. I'll drink to that. <laughs>
3: I got about three beers, and I'll, I'll be a different person, man. Don't count on <laughs> me to hold it down.
4: <laughs> yeah, I got one. Uh, the NBA came back this week. Huge Sixers fan, like I said, and Embiid is currently on top of the MVP charts, and our own Ben Simmons is on top of the defensive player charts. So I'm drinking to a good season for my favorite team. I'll drink to that. Nice. Yeah. And Aug's favorite basketball team. Probably Drew's as well.
2: Chris, you're you're a basketball guy as well, right?
3: Yeah, like it. Uh, you know, North Carolina, so basketball is kind of a deal here. But,
4: uh, you have an NBA team?
3: Uh, I do, but I mean, it's the Hornets. So, I mean we got <laughs> Lonzo Ball. A lot of you got a new kind of squad filling itself out. Miles Bridges is ridiculous. Uh, Malik Monk is ridiculous. You know, he's hitting shots, and I mean, we're gonna we're getting it. We're getting it done. It's just you know. You got to wait till you make some noise. I'm also kind of a Clippers fan just from being a Clippers fan. Like, that's kind of my real team, but the hometown is where I get to go to games. Quentin Richardson, Darius Miles-Days. That's kind of when I was a big Clippers fan. Some Chris Paul out there from Winston-Salem. And he was there for a while, so I'm kind of a Clippers guy, a guy, a little bit of both.
4: Lob City and North Carolina. I like it.
3: I have it.
2: So when we're not in a global pandemic, are you usually going to pro games a lot? Are you in North Carolina now?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm down here in Charlotte. So, like, Orange game, is easy to get to. It's, like, 20 minutes from the house. We got, like, a train that takes you right up to the stadium. So I'll do that I'll take the kids all the time. Nice. You know, it's, it's a bit – like, they weren't really – they haven't been my team, like, all my life. But, like, you are able to do that so often, it kind of just becomes your thing.
2: I mean, it's just a lot easier when you're physically around a team. I and mean, we were in Tampa, so we went to Philly spring training a couple times when we were hazing Tony Kemp in the outfield.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Live tweeting from the bench at us.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was he was a funny guy. We were calling him on his height and stuff. But, yeah, I think being around a team, like, geographically definitely makes it a lot easier. I'm from New Mexico, so, I mean, there is not shit here. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I came to be a Chargers fan. I, I got to pick my own team. Um, and I started watching football in, like, 2006, so that was – peak with Damian
0: Tomlinson. So it was a pretty easy choice for me. I'm thankful to be from a city. No offense to any of you guys. I'm thankful to be from a city where like you're ride or die Philly for life. Like I'm not, I'm not changing the team. I'm moving across the country. I'm wearing my Eagle stuff. I'm meeting new people in Europe that are also wearing Eagle stuff. A lot of Jets hats and a lot of Jets merchandise in Wales. And I think that says something about, you know, Wales being the New Jersey of the UK But I'm thankful and I will drink to Philly.
2: (laughs) Nice. I can drink
4: to Philly. Always going to drink to them.
0: (laughs) Tough sports crowd, but, you know,
2: still.
4: (laughs) Chris, did you grow up a Panthers fan? Or any allegiance to the Panthers?
3: Not really. uh, They weren't good. I mean, they were decent. I I never really had a team. Like, the Panthers were kind of new when I was growing up. I go to those games, too. I kind of tailgated those games now. Just hang out and drink and...
4: Yeah, I miss tailgating almost as much as I miss an actual game in person.
3: Yeah, that's kind of a big deal for me. I don't really even care to go to the games anymore. It's just tailgating is the fun part now.
2: Yeah, I've never even really, I don't think, like done tailgating at a stadium. I think the closest actually that Derwin James reads behind me is signed. August was wearing it. We all, the, the three of us, Mike and August and I, went to go watch the Jaguars in Jacksonville and i'm sure you've been to jacksonville a couple times that place is horrible yeah. in my opinion <laughs> you you don't have to just trash the the people of jacksonville on here but i will um we, we parked uh we parked in like a police like municipal building parking lot and it was like us and like some homeless guys that we were hanging out drinking with before we went into the game like took a little go-kart over there they're running uh That's running some you. stuff over there to get us there and jacksonville's horrible that's that's the closest i've ever, ever been to tailgating was just drinking with homeless people in jacksonville basically in the police municipality parking lot well,
3: it's kind of cool <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah it, it was a good first time you know if nothing else it's a good podcast story
3: definitely
4: chris anything else you want to shout out from your week or your year before uh, we finish this beer
3: kind of finish my beer i can drink to that there you go To the first beer but the fans that were there, they were, like, real fans. You start noticing, like, the same people that sat in the same chairs a lot easier.
2: We just opened our fourth beer, and now we are getting into beer of the week. Oh, we're on number two. Okay. All right. This week, Stella Artois is a 5% ABV or alcohol by volume. I'm trying to add that to my dictionary right now. Mike, can you tell us a little bit more about this beer?
4: 100%. It's a Pilsner, which is like a pale lager. Uh, we also just learned what that was while we were writing the script. Stella
2: was first brewed in 1926 and comes from the Den Hoorn Brewery in Belgium that started in 1366. Holy fuck, that is a long time ago.
4: It also has a three-step pouring ritual, which is like this fancy way, kind of like Guinness, if you've ever had a Guinness where they, they have to pour it a certain way to get the head right, but times three. So what do you guys think about these beers and their pouring rituals? Have you have you ever had a weird experience with a beer like that?
3: In college, like the first time I saw somebody pour Guinness the correct way, I was like, yeah, get that away from me. Uh, that looks dangerous. Uh, why do you have a spoon? Why is the spoon bent? What's going on here? Uh, but I guess it's cool. I don't know. Everybody has their things, I guess. I just drink it Hope for the best.
2: <laughs> nice. I, I mean, I guess I'm just uncultured. I've never been through any type of pouring ritual uh, whatsoever. The only kind of like drink making ritual I've been through is like jungle juice. Um, but n- nothing with like pouring a beer. You know, I know you're supposed to not just like pour beer straight into a cup because then it's just going to be you're just gonna be drinking foam all day. Um, but that's about my, my knowledge. Of I it. went
4: to the Guinness Brewing Factory, but I was 12. So I didn't really absorb that much. It, w- it was pretty rough. Wish, wish I drank a beer when I was 12, but couldn't really do that. Too yeah, many eyes.
0: drinking age there, like nine?
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like 13 or something. I was just off.
0: <laughs> Breast milk is actually just beer in Europe, guys. It's wild.
4: Well,
2: <laughs> That's a tough little factoid.
4: I was just going to say, I had no idea this beer was from Belgium. If you'd quizzed me, I really thought it was like Italy or something like that.
2: I yeah. I also assumed Italy for no particular reason. I assumed Europe um, just because it's got kind of a, a fancy name compared to stuff like like Bud Light. Yeah, exactly. Chris holding up the label for us. I mean, that just looks like like royal. Uh, well, fuck. I guess it says Belgium right on there, huh? <laughs> I
3: would I never saw that. If you... Yeah, no, I've never noticed that. No, that That's... just like blew my mind. So I had to like share that with everybody. It's like, damn, it does say Belgium right here on the thing.
4: <laughs> so, Chris, what our listeners don't know is that we gave you a few options for beers. Uh, and you chose Stella. Was there any particular reason other than you just like it a lot? Do you have any like particular Stella reason?
3: I was like, yeah, I mean, we're going to do Stella, and I'm going to have the cup or whatever. And that's how it was going to work, but it didn't work out like that. But I was hoping to bring an you know, added dimension to the podcast. But, yeah. Are we all drinking from bottles today? August, Do you got a can?
0: I've got a can. I think they only do Tall Boy cans also.
2: I think you're right. How many cans do you have, Aug? I have 12. You have 12 right. cans. All right.
0: Yeah, I guess that means that
2: what we need to do here is have an impromptu. August needs a shotgun of beer since he has unlimited beer basically over there. So Og, why don't you go ahead and unmute and just shotgun a tall boy Stella for us.
4: We'll wait for you. It's
0: reckless, but as the only one with a can, I think I have to do it.
2: Yeah, I'm glad I sprung that on him. I, I did not think about that before this, but I mean, if you're going to bring cans, you got a shotgun. There's no, there's no options there. Chris, so, Chris
4: do, you have a, do you have a preference between bottle, can?
3: I'm a bottles guy, but, you know, a can, I'll just kind of pour it in a cup. I don't really know why, but it's just a habit.
4: Yeah, sometimes I'm the same way. I can't get over, like, the aluminum taste unless I'm, like, at a party or somewhere. It's kind of gross. ruins it for me.
3: I do prefer a can at a party, though. It's just handier. I don't know. I think also because
2: there's no risk of breaking it. You know, you don't want to be the guy that drops a bottle at a party and then – you know, you got to ask whoever's hosting, where's your broom? You got to go through all that shit. It's probably, it probably wasn't empty. It's, it's a whole mess yeah. at that point. August, are you shotgunning with scissors? Is that what's happening? You don't own keys?
0: In Europe, they do things differently, Andrew. It,
2: what do they open their door with? <laughs> a
0: broom. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Trevor told me that the last time I was with him, he said the secret is to make it way bigger than you think it needs to be. To really
2: the get hole? it all. Yeah, the whole. That's fair. I mean, worst comes to oh. worst, you're going to have a mess. I'd rather right. have a mess than have to shotgun for 10 seconds because I have a small hole.
3: If anything goes wrong, save the mic. <laughs> yeah. I, have,
0: I have a bowl that I'm going to just do it right into. All right, I guess this is because I am the only one with a can. Is this what's happening?
4: Yeah, that's exactly the reason.
0: Chris, this is a big ask. <laughs> but could you give me a NFL-style pregame pump-up?
3: It's funny because I'm just like the last guy for that, but I'll try my best. Oh, you are a trooper! All right, hit hit me with it. Um, you can do it. Um, uh, <laughs> I believe in it. Uh... <laughs> Go better than you expected. We'll go. Think uh, <laughs> good thoughts uh, and uh, hurry up.
2: I like that last one, down down the hatch, August. Let's go. <laughs>
1: hey,
2: we'll we'll drink with you. How about that?
4: <laughs> uh, for our, our <sighs> listeners, because this is a podcast, August yeah. had a giant like cooking bowl underneath <laughs> the can which went up with him under his chin <laughs> while he was drinking
0: yeah it, i'm happy it was there and i don't think i could have done this without the pep talk nice we did, it, man, we did it
2: no hold on hold on show us the bowl show me the can and show <laughs> me the
0: bowl I don't want to show you the bowl. No, it's time to hold you accountable. It was a big hole, okay? <laughs> I think that's where I went wrong a little bit initially. It was a big hole. And it was a tall boy. It was a tall... Okay, Chris, I hate to do this. Can you give me a pep talk to drink the bowl?
2: Poor Chris. Chris is just having to give you a pep talk to violate your hygiene
4: at this point. He's going to uh, block us on Twitter after this.
3: 50-50, man. I don't know. Depends on how, well, how fast he drinks the bowl. You should do this again in 10 minutes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to run through a wall now after that pep talk. I'm like
3: really just gotta focus in and say peppy things. Just try. Hope for the best. That was the fun part, man. That was definitely You get to like think about who you gonna beat up, that's always fun.
4: That's a good transition into our next section, which is just filling in the blanks, quick Q&As. Just want to get to know you better now that we've introduced you and the beer, the two biggest highlights of the podcast. So we're just going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions, if you don't mind.
3: Let's go.
2: All right, Chris. So what is the best city to play in, NFL or college?
3: Best city to play in? Uh, I'm going to say it's kind of different. Pro is pretty yeah, – got Buffalo pretty cool it's a whole different vibe like those people are insane so it's like fun to watch them with no clothes on and it's like 10 degrees and they're dead serious <laughs> and um i'll say buffalo pro college it's clemson it's clemson is ridiculous it's, it's all orange 85 90 000 you come down the hills. not nothing like it it kind of speaks for itself you can you try to put words to it, but it's ridiculous. It's crazy.
2: Yeah, I, I can't talk to college ball too much. I it's just hasn't been as much my thing as pro stuff. But, I mean, I, I think that as far as, like, community-wise, I think the Buffalo Bills have, like, one of the best fan bases in, in the entire yeah. NFL.
3: They, like, do it on purpose. Like, they get together as fans, and they're like, we're going to be better fans than the other people. And let's just figure out how to do that while we jump the Texas. And they like give money, they donate, they like get together, do fundraising drives for like cancer research. And they do like a whole ton of things, like just even outside of being, you know, ridiculous on Sunday. That makes them pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty good good fan base, uh, Pretty special fan base.
2: All right. Well, in the spirit of rapid
4: fire, I'll uh, I'll concede to Mike. (laughs) What is the best trash talk you've ever heard?
3: Best trash talk. Or given. You like try to, pick up on the humor I'm trying to do. It's not funny, but you know, because trash talk has to be funny, it has to be harsh. I'm just not that funny, so I'm not good at trash talk, but I've heard some, I'm trying to think. I think Bart Scott was one. That dude was insane. He had like a little screw loose a bit, and that, that that was always fun to kind of catch. Phil's in a class of his own. Like if you follow San Diego and LA Chargers, man, Feels ridiculous. Like, Phil's constant with it. Like, Phil is – first down, he's going to say something to this linebacker. And then second down, he's going to go right back to that linebacker, like, pick on him again. <laughs> then third down, he's going to pick on him. And then the next drive, if, like, that linebacker makes a bad play, he's going to go back to him and keep picking on him. <laughs> so, like, I think that kind of consistency was always fun to watch. So, I like to put him up there in one of the greats of Trash Talkers.
2: Yeah, as someone who has not played in the NFL, I can say that Philip is one of, the, one of the best trash talkers I've ever seen. I, I could watch clips of him just talking trash all day long. And it's funny, too, because, I mean, he doesn't cuss, you know. I mean, like, there's no having to bleep out anything. The editor's got an easy job.
3: Like, it's the funniest part because, like, he's so much feeling that you think he's about to curse. But then it's like, no, it's that gunman, and it still lands. <laughs> and the trash talk still lands. It's, it's impressive.
1: All right,
2: so the next question, name the best color scheme for a team.
3: It's got to be the powder blue and gold. That's just the nicest in sport. It doesn't even matter the team. Like, but, I mean, the Chargers have done it well. Of course, they have. They, I mean, they killed the, the Jersey game with the whole release. But uh, even, like, UCLA who has a kind of variation on that. Like, that's just the color scheme that just that hits every time. It's probably my favorite. Even the, the Minneapolis Lakers throwback with the uh, count of blue and gold is sick. Well, else? Like, it's just a – that's a pretty all, – all-time great.
4: Yeah, I'm biased, but I agree 100%. Those old Minneapolis jerseys are pretty cool. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Chris, no judgment. Are you a mayo guy?
3: Yeah. Uh, it just depends on what the dish is. Like, turkey, sandwiches, I got to have a burger, maybe not. It has its place, especially, like, the homemade situation. It's the way to go. I like to do stuff in the kitchen, and that's kind of an easy like, thing I kind of learned how to do, drizzle the whole, you know, situation. You can make some tasty mayo's.
2: Nice. What is your best recipe, you think? Oh, man. I've been making a
3: burrito situation, and I've just been trying stuff with it. It's, like, different chilies and all kinds of whatnots and spices. It's gotten pretty good. I've made, like, five or six of them throughout the pandemic. Every time, man, I'm getting, I'm getting close. But I think that's my favorite one to make right now. I don't know if it's my best.
4: Nice. Yeah, we saw you tweet about your taco recipes, changing up from lamb and everything. Having my mouth watering.
3: I was like, man, I was just grabbing stuff I had, and it's like, we're going to stew this, and it turned out good. Man. I, was, I was proud of this Taco Tuesday.
4: Speaking of cooking, Chris, did you have a favorite meal to eat after games?
3: Post-game was wings, man. Nice. That was, like, my choice every time. You know, my wife was like, where are we going to eat? like, man, we can grab some wings. That's always my go-to.
4: Were wings in Buffalo as good as everyone says they are?
3: Yes. It's like every restaurant tries to, like, outdo each other. Competition kind of breeds, you know, high level of wing. They got it it done. It's like some mom-and-pop shops down there. Man, they – Get it done over there in Buffalo
2: with the wings. Yeah, I would probably have to say chicken wings is my favorite food. Um, And I I pretty much make them every single NFL Sunday. And I I just do the traditional. I mean, traditional for me is getting like Frank's Red Hot and then throwing in some seasonings of my own. I I love adding like a bunch of like black pepper to them. But yeah, hearing the wings in Buffalo are just as good as they say they are, that's great. Cause I definitely want to go catch a game there just for the football experience. And then also, I mean, with wings being my favorite food,
3: the the food experience there. Man, they got good food, like any type of food up in Buffalo. That's like a hidden food kind of city. They got Italian and like the steakhouses are great.
4: So one more question. We put this out on our Instagram story asking if you could ask any any NFL player a question, what would it be? And the one we chose was if you were an NFL GM. Which player would you choose to start your team around today?
3: Uh, Today, I'm going Pat, Josh, Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Herbert. Those are going to be – I think those are going to be the four for, like, the next – I think they'll be – they'll eventually be, like, the cream of the crop.
2: Yeah, that is is music to my ears as a Chargers fan. I was totally – and Ty, the Chargers, taking Herbert. I thought they needed to take a ta- uh, tackle, give Tyrod his chance. Unfortunately, that didn't end up working out either way, especially for Tyrod. Well, Chris, thank you for playing this game for us. Uh, you won, even though we weren't keeping uh, track necessarily of the score. Um, but your reward and our reward as a, podca- as a podcast is for us to finish this beer and open our next beer and move on to the next segment.
4: I don't mean to brag, but I already finished mine.
2: See, I, I did the opposite. I did not spend enough of this segment finishing mine. I got I got a good 55% of the beer right here. Uh, it was like uh, like something health something. Dignity Health. It was Dignity Health Sports Park. That's what it was.
3: And it was the stuff-up center right before that, wasn't
4: it? Just a little background. We started this podcast when the pandemic started and lockdown happened. So we were just trying to find a way to – just have a beer and watch sports when we couldn't be drinking with each other or watching sports. And obviously that coincided with the summer of the recent Black Lives Matter protests over George Floyd and others. Uh, in fact, our third episode I think, I drove to New Mexico to record with Drew and we were so excited to talk about the NBA coming back in the bubble in Florida and then the Milwaukee Bucks boycotted uh, over Black Lives Matter protests. So. That is something that is very important to us, getting discussions going around that. So we're excited to get a little bit of opinion from you, a pro athlete who is very vocal about it on Twitter, and just hear your opinion on some of these issues.
2: Definitely. Yeah, so Chris, I'll go ahead and start. How do you think the NFL is doing as far as making the Black Lives Matter protests and everything associated more of a movement rather than just a
3: moment? Uh, how do I, how do I put it? They're doing the best they can and it's not really good. Does that make sense? I mean, the best they can do without, cause they're not gonna commit fully to, you know, maintaining and making sure that it becomes a sustained movement. So instead of doing that and going far and really committing the organizations that make up the NFL to that, they, you know, do performative things here and there to kind of feign allegiance or to give them kind of a shot that, you know, keeps the movement going, but at the same time, it doesn't, you know, establish a kind of link between, you know, Black Lives Matter and the NFL that will create any lasting impact. They're doing their best. They're doing what they hope will help. But if you're not going to commit fully to the movement or fully to the ideals of the movement, it's not going to work. So kind of is what it is. Yeah, I
2: I think it's particularly interesting, because this has been kind of a movement where the players are taking the lead, and the league is kind of following along. And I think we're kind of seeing that, I mean, the league is, in, in my opinion, I think the NFL is just kind of doing, like you said, their best, but also at the same time, like kind of the minimum for what they could do. And as far as just following with what the players are saying, but not really doing too much themselves independent of the players. Like I think if the the players weren't saying anything, if Kaepernick hadn't brought this issue to, you know, the forefront of American politics, then I don't think that this would be something that the NFL would take any kind of stance on or include in, in their kind of ideology at all.
3: I mean, it would take more outside pressure from organized groups to kind of push the NFL into doing those type of things, into committing further. And in order to do that, that's something you have to work on, kind of outside of you know the NFL, and bring that into it. But I mean, they're trying, and uh, I appreciate you know you gotta appreciate when you know corporations champion different movements, different social ideals that they wanna help bring to the forefront of American politics. So
2: you and I have kind of. Um... Over the past couple of years, we, we've talked about social justice in the NFL and specifically about Colin Kaepernick and the national anthem. In those conversations, uh, you've kind of talked about, you decided to join the protest during the anthem and saw some backlash from fans as well as criticism from inside the locker rooms, from other players and, and from team management. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit, like your experiences with social justice movements in the NFL, kind of how you've been treated for taking part in those? It was
3: uh, – it was a complicated situation. Uh, they – you had just different people who, you know, in different places in the organizations who didn't really understand. Some didn't want to understand. Some were interested to understand. But at the same time, it wasn't my job to help you understand. And that wasn't – like, I was here to play football when it's time to go to work. And – You know what I mean? But it's something I will talk about because I did like using the time and the platform that football gives you. So there would be times when, you know, you sit in the locker room, you talk with guys who agree, guys who don't. I mean, it was a good time, uh, you know, the people around me. And I kind of grew up a lot. I don't know. it It helped me understand my whys, my motivations for continuing to stay on top of that, continue to help people in the neighborhood, continue to, you know, build the people in the community, to, you know, work, and do community service at the food banks, to speak at the schools, to, you know, read the kindergarten classes, and just kind of be a nice guy from day to day. So, you know, it was a overall positive, but there were, you know, there was backlash, you know, nothing I'm going to go into specific about just because, you know, I don't care. Most of it was kind of silly stuff. It was kind of people thinking like, "Oh, I gotcha," or, or trying to like make a point. To say, "Well, what do you think about this?" If and it's like you know whatever, you don't want to know. You don't care to know. You just kind of want to win a combo here or there. I don't know, but it was a it was an interesting time. Definitely was. Especially on Twitter, like, people are really weird on Twitter that disagree with you. It's like, it's cool if you disagree,
2: don't be so weird about it. Yeah, Twitter is kind of a cesspool. And I see a lot of people on Twitter call Twitter a cesspool and, like, just kind of how ridiculous of, like, social media can be sometimes with how just, like, ardently people disagree with each other, like, how aggressive they they turn.
4: Yeah, and just in terms of... Twitter and fan engagement, it can often feel a little helpless being a fan trying to get involved in these kind of issues. And it's so nuanced and trying to figure out what you can do outside of just hitting like or retweet. Are there any ways that you would suggest for fans to get involved to do meaningful action and more than just watch sports?
3: Uh, The people that you like and retweet, DM DM them and ask them what do they do, any groups that they're a part of, find your book clubs. There are a lot of like different book clubs on Twitter, people that just post different things that you might be interested in, the different books that they are interested in. And that turns into different organizations here and there that people are part of, that you can help do community service. You can help get connected. Just, it's like find like use social media kind of how it's supposed to be used, but it's not like find people. It's kind of tough, though, because, you know, it's weird to do that on social media even though that's what it's for because, you know, the whole usage of it has been perverted for a while. (laughs) But, you know, just kind of try to be nice to people, like, and ask them questions. I have a tough time with that, but I try to – I guess I try to use my own advice. Like, doing this with Drew, like, I met him on Twitter. I met all you guys. Basically, from my, they like my stuff from time to time. Let's do a podcast, you
2: know? Yeah, exactly. Now we're here, changing the world. You know, one beer at a time. The NFL has has kind of taken some concrete steps um, as far as like diversifying ownership and management in in the league. And do you think that the NFL specifically? I mean, if if you have any other information to share on this, but the Rooney Rule is is pretty exclusively. Um, any kind of legislation or actual rule that I see kind of guiding the NFL in its kind of diversification of, of staff and management and ownership. Do you think that the Rooney rule is doing enough? Do you think it's a
3: big enough step? I think it's a great first step. I think it was the the entire premise of the Rooney rule is made up of people that meant that meant well and we're looking to kind of quickly infuse you know, much-needed diversity into the ranks of, you know, coaches, executives, all the front, you know, office guys, and it has helped to do that, but you can't enter a network of coaches, executives that is the good old boys club without going through the initiation process of the good old boys club, so until you're able to kind of open that lane of, you know, networking and, you know, circles until those circles can kind of join from, like, outsiders and the coaches that you always hear come up when it's time for interviews. That's what they're looking to get done is to kind of bridge the gap from, you know, the uh, Rooney Rule guys and, the you know, the guys who are always in the coaching circuit, whether it be college, whether it be professional, whether they're always, you know, coordinators or anything. It's just kind of, over time, I think it will work out. But, because they, I mean, they, you, have to, you have to give it a concerted effort and that the Rooney rules evidence that, you know, that's the beginning of a concerted effort. And they understand that it's not enough. And I think that's made clear just by statistics, by just public perception, because that has a lot to do with it. You know, even if the numbers are moving up, it's are we included in the entire network of uh, you know grad assistant to you know coaches assistant to you know on up the ladder.
4: And we will move into our next beer. I see you have it already.
2: Let <laughs> you grab mine. August, are you ready for another shotgun? Our next segment is Meet a Mascot Battle Royale. We received a special request from Bill, our European correspondent, for a new Meet a Mascot Battle Royale. We've done this once before. We're here doing it again. We have Chris Harrison with us.
4: So to catch you up if you're new to Slam Drunk, each episode we like to meet a new mascot from a professional sports team, and sometimes we like to picture them in a cage match, either with each other or, in this case, ourselves.
2: Today we'll be ranking the NFL mascots based on who we could most likely beat in a fight. We have a handy picture sheet here with rankings from Sports Illustrated's best mascots. So we'll use that as a template to see if there's correlation between best mascot and the mascot we'd most likely beat in a
3: fight.
4: Chris, can you see the the mascots there that we have on the first sheet? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So just to describe them real quick, I'm just going to go rapid fire. We have a Seahawk, a Bear, a Bulldog, Two Birds, a Patriot, who just looks like some kind of 1776 soldier, uh, a lion, and then whatever the hell the Buffalo Bills mascot is. He's got, like, a purple face and horns. I guess he's a buffalo. Yes,
3: yes. Billy Buffalo. What is the Titans mascot? What is the cult? It's crazy because you don't really see these mascots often. You forget. (laughs) They look insane.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so the Titans mascot is is a raccoon. and. You know, every now and then I just kind of think to myself, like, if I had to pick an animal to fight, you know, what animal would I pick? And that that kind of plays into what we're doing here with mascots. And I think the raccoon is kind of like the perfect combination of like size and speed for a creature that I would want to fight. And I think that goes for mascots as well is, you know, it's big enough that I can still land a kick or a punch on it pretty well, but it's small enough that it's not physically intimidating at all while still being slow enough that i can still connect those those hits that i need to whereas you know something like a squirrel or something i feel like a squirrel would you know end up eating my brain out of my skull or something i think it's just too fast for me i don't think i'll do very well in that situation yeah so chris off the bat just right here looking at this first sheet do any of the mascots stand out for one that you're just like you know this guy looks fucking dumb i could beat the living shit out of him for sure i feel
3: like we all may agree with this but we're gonna begin with Pat the Patriot. Pat the Patriot is taking that L. Chin's too big, too big a target. I'm going through that. That's <laughs> not gonna last long. Cause I mean, he's a person like me. There's no fear involved. It's an- another person, I guess, as a mascot. So I feel like I can I can make that happen pretty easy. I don't even think it would be like fair. It would be fair, but at the same time. If he takes me out, you know, I just got to respect it. The rest of them, like, I'm really fighting for my life. But Pat the Patriots seems like he doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, at
2: all. I agree I feel- with Pat the Patriot 100%. You know, um, I'm a Chargers fan, so, I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're in the NFL, you hate the Patriots unless you're a Patriots yeah. fan. You specifically played in the AFC East, so I imagine that adds to that. But also, I mean, this guy just looks like a grade A douchebag. I would, first of all, rather fight a person than an animal, just to start. And second, I mean, I would definitely, like, when I think of someone that I would want to fight in a person's form, this is not far off from the type of person that I think of.
4: Yeah, I was just going to say, Chris, like your description of going through Pat the Patriot, that is exactly what we're looking for in, like, that pre-beer pep talk in the locker room. Like, you're just going to go through this guy, connect with his jaw. If I had to choose a mascot that was definitely going to kick my ass, it would be the Buffalo Bills, Billy Buffalo, that guy. Just something about the purple face and the way he's screaming and the photo we're looking at just has me shaking with fear.
3: It doesn't look like he has much to live for. You know, he's not the <laughs> best-looking you know, creature or whatnot, so I feel like he's fighting with a different fire in his belly.
0: <laughs> looking at Miles, the Denver Broncos mascot, and Blue, the Indianapolis Colts mascot, side-by-side. Side.
2: Blue is Miles' little brother, like very clearly.
4: Yeah, I was going to say his older brother after uh, too many beers. He's got like that beer belly look, that fanatic shake your tummy look.
3: Oh, man. It's good. It gets a little intense down here.
2: Yeah, now we're on to our second page. And we've definitely got a different kind of breed of mascots here. We got Steely McBeam, one of the, the creepiest motherfuckers that we've talked about on this podcast, for sure. We got a Ram. We got the Jaguar. He looks like he's already drunk. He's probably six deep, just like we are on this pod. And we got a pirate, we got a Raven, we got Boltman. I'm a Chargers fan. I don't even really know what Boltman is, you know. I mean that would scare the shit out of me if I saw him in an alley. Do you have any initial thoughts on, on this
3: group of mascots here? You don't mess with Boltman, you just let that lie. I mean you don't know what comes from that. That's a wild card. Uh, I'm not fucking with no steel worker. That's just insanity. They're still workers. I'm not fucking with no pirate. <laughs> He has a sword and pirates use swords pretty easily, not a Viking. You know, I'm okay with the sourdough Sam, the 49ers guy. He can, you know, once they're people, that kind of brings it down a notch. I'm not – I'm scared of ravens, vultures, any black birds that are, like, scavengers. I'm not willing to test that theory. But uh, I'm not fighting a bull, Toro. No, that's insanity. Jackson, DeVille. Yeah, we're both drunk, so we can do that. Other than that, I might have to go with Sir Saint as my next victim.
2: I agree. I, I think Sir Saint's too too big of a target going there with that chin. I think that is that is insane how big they made his chin. Who's that
4: one? What is he supposed to be? I assume it's some guy from Mardi Gras who just had way too much to drink, and it's all coming right back out, and I don't want to deal with that.
3: He might actually change the whole fight because uh, that's a – Mouthful, yeah. Like I don't know if I can stand there for that bio attack. That's like that's sick. <laughs> yeah, we have to go we have to go for rowdy if that if Sir Saint was holding like an acid attack in his mouth.
4: I was thinking the same thing. That most cowboys I respect, but he just looks a little too jolly. He looks like he wouldn't see it coming if you just decked him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I
2: mean, he he looks like he he has too positive a view on, on the world in general to, to see a sucker punch coming out of nowhere. Whereas Sir Saint, I, I have two kind of like inclinations about Sir Saint. I think one, either he goes to Mardi Gras like every year and is like the life of the party. That's not the kind of guy I want to fuck with. Um, and two, or he's the total opposite and he's part of the church. And I don't really want to just straight up punch someone in the face if they're actually a saint or like a deacon or something, you know. That's not really kind of my vibe for who I'm trying to fight. But the cowboy, 10 out of 10, he's having too good of a time. You can tell he's sober just by looking at him.
4: All right, this next page, pretty quick. I have a few more. We've got Casey Wolf from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's kind of a you know a flamboyant wolf with these seventy pants. Another bird from the Falcons. Sir Purr from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we've got a dolphin doing push-ups from Miami, and then whatever the hell Raider Rush is, who for our listeners looks like a, a helmet, like like if your whole body was your face and it was also in a football helmet but then also your helmet had spikes on the top and you might have done a line of coke or something i'm not sure he's got huge eyes yeah, it's,
2: definitely- it's it's football mike wazowski football goth mike wazowski is what we're looking at with Rated rusher here and i'll tell you right off the bat i mean you know i also don't really want to fight the birds too much you know i mean they just have an inherent advantage with the flying although freddie falcon does look like you know he was maybe dropped when he was like a kid or something But going back to the Raider guy, I mean, he looks ridiculous. And if I, like, had to pick someone to attack, like, they didn't bother me or anything. If I had to go bother someone, go, like, pick on someone, it would be the Raiders guy 100%. That is a ridiculous-looking mascot. And it never should have passed through. Whatever, like, intern invented this, they should have been fired on the spot.
3: How many people, like, okayed that before it became a thing? That's just terrible. That's scary. Like I don't know. I never saw that before. Like that's jarring. <laughs> what do like what do they do during the games?
2: I think they mostly like kinda hang out over by the cheerleaders and just I've seen them like in some instances kind of gloat like after a touchdown or that kind of thing. But for the most part I haven't seen them too much on the sidelines.
3: Yeah, that's true. It's so long, it's, it feels like forever since like normal football has happened. So it's like I can't even envision it right now. It's just crazy.
0: I had the honor of actually being our college mascot, a Triton at our like spirit day. And then I was also my high school mascot. And pretty much all I did was dance behind people and made them feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable the whole time. And everyone loved it. It was a real big hit. That's actually pretty funny.
4: (laughs) If my job was to tackle people for a living and I had like a bad game, I would be going straight for the mascot if he was still dancing.
3: I'm out here suffering.
4: (laughs) And
2: Chris, I got one last question for you before we move on to the next segment. But if, if you were on the field, you know, just in like a a regular season type game and a streaker from the stands comes running Mm -hmm. on the field, are you the kind of guy to like try to tackle the streaker or are you just like watching him? He's kind of doing his own thing. He's having fun. Like, you know, it doesn't really bother me or what, what's your kind of take on that situation?
3: I feel like the way they even, first and foremost, I'm not approaching the streaker. I'm going to watch and laugh and just make sure he doesn't get close to me. The streaker insinuates he's completely naked, and that's the scary part. So, like, you know, have fun running out. Be be in that moment. Just don't include me. But uh, I think, like, the league in general just go at that whole thing, like, the wrong way. I think, like, streakers, if you just left them alone and just let them streak until they got tired, that would be funnier because they just run around and run around and run around. I mean, it'd take a little bit. I mean, you probably couldn't do that all the time, but it would be funny if they just did that one time. Like, a streaker comes on and, like, nobody acknowledges them. They just run around until they get tired, and then they go back in the stands <laughs> and put their clothes back on.
4: <laughs> That's a great point because, like, what is the end game? You're just naked on the field if nobody tackles you and arrests you. You have to climb back into the stands and without clothes.
2: Yeah, I mean, ev- every streaker is thinking, all right, I got five seconds, I'm running on the field, and then people are chasing me. But if people don't chase you, like, <laughs> what is your plan now?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's what I, but, you know, that's not unrealistic thing just because, you know, people are crazy and you don't want to let that just go along. Somebody's got to tackle them, but it wouldn't be me. Wouldn't
4: that be me? All right. Now that we have solidified which mascots we would fight in a, in a fight and which streakers we would avoid, we are five beers in. I think by my count, I might have lost count. Uh, now it's time to open our last beer, if we have one left, and discuss Stella Artois in our final segment. The Mike and Beer and Chris Hairston – wait, Mike and Drew – and chris hairston beer review there we go
2: there we go chris we'll start with you what do you think about stella six beers in
3: uh it's pretty good it's the beer i drink when i go fishing so like that's why i'm feeling like like six good day of fishing and now i feel like as it's getting warmer i got to get back out there that's what it's kind of got me thinking about next time i get to go fishing. so i guess that's a good review
2: Nice, yeah. Any beer that you're willing to take, take on a fishing trip with you I, I think is, a, is a, a good review. I think you, you usually have kind of the, the choice on, on what you're taking with you. It's not usually kind of a last-minute decision kind of thing.
4: Yeah, when you said that, I was thinking, you know, because Florida, big fishing spot, I was like, man, Stella, I don't know if I'd do a bottle out there. But this is light. It's breezy. It gets you where you want to go in terms of the drunk factor. I could definitely see myself drinking this on a fishing trip. Yeah,
3: no 06 and a cooler flavorful but at the same time it's like not like super heavy it was a really satisfying burp you know i guess that's important kind of is for me what i'm drinking beer like the burping is kind of a part of
4: it you have come to the right podcast we're all about the burp roll
2: yeah we'll we'll have to kind of i think we'll have to kind of save this last one a little bit or at least i think we got to get some burps on air i mean normally this is something that we do i, I think we got to do that before we get off of here we got this last one. I think maybe before the end of this segment, we all kind of try to build up what we got. I know August is dealing with about eight more beers he's got in the fridge over there. So, you know, hopefully we can include August. He's not throwing up in a bowl or anything.
0: You guys have been so well behaved. No huge burps today. It's like, you know, we, we have a real interview for once and you guys are burp shy.
4: Yeah. Chris, for context, usually we, uh, we stop the podcast to record the burps that come through it. But this time we've stopped the burping and muted ourselves to give a little more airtime.
3: time. <laughs> like I missed
4: out. Well, we can
2: fill in here pretty easily. It, it only takes me one to, to start going crazy. But August, real fast, we were just talking about how, how is Stella six, six beers deep. You had to shotgun the beer. Can you give us just a quick, as our lone shotgun ear for this episode, can you give
0: us a quick shotgun ability score on the Stella? This beer was a shotgunnable beer. It was pretty light. The tall boy made it last a little longer. And I think my hole was too big, but that was, that's all reflective of me, not the beer. I honestly really enjoyed shotgunning this beer up there with Yingling. That's how much I enjoyed it. I'll have to grab some,
2: some cans of Stella next time and start introducing Belgium into my shotgun routine. For me, six in, I think this beer is great. I haven't had any really complaints outside of just the packaging Um, the paper on the top really still just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Again, I think it's pretentious, but you know, whatever, it's not that big of a barrier. If you can't get through paper to drink your beer, then, you know, you're probably not old enough to be drinking beer in the first place. Mike, we'll start with you this time. If you were going to rate Stella on a scale of one to 10, what score would you give it?
4: I'm giving this an eight. Honestly, I thought I, I'm not a big Pilsner guy. I just mostly found out what that is, but I know Yingling's a lager and that's one of my favorites, but Pilsner's kind of light, it's kind of airy, but the more I'm drinking it, like everything we talked about with Chris for a fishing trip, like that's where I want to go at the end of the night. It's flavorful. It's not giving me like terrible anxiety or bloating while I'm drinking it. And it's it's still tasty and, and got me where it went. Chris, if you could rate this beer on a scale of one to 10, where would it go for you?
3: I'm, I'm agreeing with the eight. And I back that up and, you know, it's pretty... I feel like it can uh, morph to any situation. It's like a party beer, slash, you know, bullshit and talk sports beer, slash, cooking and grilling. It's just light enough where it's not like serious, but then it's got enough flavor where it's like, I like beer and you can tell I like beer. But it's not like, it's, it's kind of, the paper does kind of put it over the pretentious.
2: I I have to be in direct agreement with well I think 8 fits this beer perfectly fine. Um, this beer is a light beer, easy to drink, but you know, at no point drinking through this was I like oh this was gross or you know this doesn't like taste really good or it tastes like a cheap beer, you know, but at the same time it's definitely competitively priced for at least a six pack. I I've, I've never seen like a 30 rack of Stella or anything like that. Chris, I mean just like you said like this feels like you know, it wouldn't be weird if I took it to a party you know, or any kind of like gathering like that. But at the same time, like if I did, it's still kind of the higher end of what I could bring as opposed to something like a, you know, Natty Ice or something, you know, just totally horrific like that. I've already said everything I need to say. August, you got a score on this beer?
0: I thought an eight two. I think this is the perfect beer to drink on a date. Like, it, you know, I can put a couple away. I can look pretty cool. You know, I'm not going to make a funny face when I take the first sip of, like, ooh, and, like, kind of just blow my, like, cool August game that I try to, you know, have uh, that sometimes comes through. But this beer would help that game for sure. Mike, we just
2: finished up saying that we all gave this beer an eight. I think this is our first time having a unanimous vote on the beer. That's great.
4: Uh, So usually after we rate the beer, we – because this is a sports podcast, we give it a sports team as well to compare it to. So for example, if this beer were a team for me, it would be the Toronto Raptors because they drafted an Italian player with the first pick and I thought that this beer was Italian. So maybe I should adjust that uh, Adjust that that team, but it just stuck with me. So if this beer, if Stella were a beer, it would be the Toronto Raptors for the European factor.
2: Well, Stella is a beer. You mean if Stella were a team?
4: <laughs> yeah. If this beer were a team, it would be the Toronto Raptors. There you
2: go. Drink some water, Mike. I'll go next. Um, I think that th- this beer, I knew very little about it going in. I had this a couple of times in college and like, it was kind of like a more like a gift that like an upperclassman would give me like, Oh, and like, here's a, here's a fancy beer instead of something like a, like a keystone, you know, that kind of thing. Like, Oh, I actually mean something to this person. I'm a human being. Um, but I didn't know anything about Stella before this outside of it, it was kind of like a, a higher up type of beer. I assumed it was from Europe. I didn't know that. Um, and so for that reason, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings for if this beer were a team, because I know the Vikings are from Europe and I know that I entertain them in the United States, but I don't know exactly where the Vikings are from in Europe or anything. So I assume not Belgium. Um, I assume something kind of like Norway, that kind of that kind of situation. August and I have watched some some Viking kind of shows before, but yeah, I'm just going with Vikings, based pretty explicitly on stereotypes. <laughs> Chris, you want to share next on uh, if if this beer were a team, what team would do you think it would be?
3: I don't know, uh, I got one. I got one. I got one. It says the Browns. It's I mean, it's pretty good, but. You don't really know much about it, but, you know, everybody kind of likes them now, and they're, they're pretty good. You know, they're, they're an eight, I guess. I don't know.
2: They're an eight now. Maybe we didn't know too much about them before, but they're definitely an eight now.
3: Yeah.
0: If I was going to call this beer a sports team, I would call it the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, they've been around forever. They've got some hits that they can keep playing. They won early on. Just like I have some very good fine Stella memories early on. They seem to come back with, with solid players, solid teams, almost every season, and I respect that.
3: It's kind of like an Anheuser-Busch. I was just looking around to see if that's, like, one of their situations.
0: It's distributed in the U.S. by Anheuser and, and, and you know. you know, Just St. Louis connection. True.
4: Exactly. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Slam Drunk. We really appreciate your time here today. You're donating your Friday evening to us to uh, have – Quite a few beers and talk sports
2: Chris thanks for coming on it's been great this has been awesome if you ever want to come on again reach out we'll reach out to you as well
3: I would say I enjoy myself
4: for all of our listeners you can find Chris on twitter at c hairston 75 he's got an incredible twitter account you'll definitely want to follow it
3: I'm not good at plugging stuff but I'm trying to get better so uh, come and say stuff to me on twitter
2: See Harrison seventy five. You can find him on Twitter. Go at him. Send him a DM. Maybe recommend a book or something. You know, maybe you guys will play Madden every now and then. That kind of situation. But Chris, before we get off, I think that we have to have kind of a group kind of burp situation here. I, I assume we're not going to go at the same time, but I don't know how much beer you got left. I think we got to take down what we got and do some burps here. What do you think, Chris? Let's go for it. Um, All right. August, we might need a shotgun burp out
0: of you. I'll get another beer.
4: Our there we list go. producer. Uh, sorry, I couldn't hold that in.
3: Next time I drink beer, just come on. In. Every time I drink beer, I'm
4: like, you know, like that. Oh, that was not as strong as I wanted it to be. Uh,
3: it's
4: like a dunk contest.
0: Oh, uh, you you want to share our our sports bar idea? All right, we've got an idea for a satirical sports bar where you can come in. Great job, Mike. Great burp. Where you can come <gasps> in.
2: So sorry. I'm so sorry. I asked. No no, no,
0: no, 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 Interrupt me. These are fantastic. So you can come into the bar. You can sit down behind a green screen and you can comment. You can do commentary for your favorite game. I
3: I'm man, We'll take it. Really I love it.
2: I feel like you got to take an extra air for a really good drink. Oh, it's counteracted me. I don't feel it anymore. I'm pushing up. (sighs) I just drank like 60% of a beer. I don't have a burp.
4: Oh, so now you're going to get math into it again. (laughs) Like
2: cheerful music.
4: Do you get stage fright easily? Does one or more of your legs fall asleep during the most important moments of your life?
2: Are you constantly asking yourself, how many legs do I even have?
4: Do you keep counting your arms in case that's some sort of measurable number for the equivalent legs you have?
2: Well, boy, oh boy, do we have a product for you.
4: Introducing the new ThermoShock electric therapy leg and or other limb stage fright mo- mobilizer.
2: You might be thinking, what is a ThermoShock electrolyte leg immobilizer? Well, we can tell that for you.
4: Look no further than our patented cardiovascular and or I, oncological measuring device that will slip into your fingernails to measure the amount of leg you have.
2: And are you thinking, one, how do they measure my legs based on my fingernail numbers? And two, is this fingernail measuring process under the fingernail thing painful? The answer is yes to both.
4: So look no further. Do you want to be in pain because you don't have legs, but uh, not quite because your legs fall asleep? Uh, sure. You know, maybe your toes aren't doing a good job of telling you that. So we'll buzz you. We'll even send a text to you. Maybe an email. Hey, your leg fell asleep. Kick it a little.
2: Thank you so, so much for listening to season two, episode one of Slam Drunk, your favorite beer and sports podcast.
4: And a huge slam-drunk thank you to retired NFL Charger and Bill Chris Hairston for joining us today. I'm your host, Michael H. Wessner, the H stands for Hairston interviewer, and I'm Andrew Hernandez IV. Not the first, not the second, and certainly not the fucking third. That's my dad. August Dichter
2: is our European graduate student, head writer, and producer.
4: No offense to your dad, I like him a lot personally. Tyler Salami Eglund hatched our episode art in a weird nest that he built up in Maine.
2: Our intro song samples Dreams by DJ Quads. Check out Chill Out Records on YouTube and ChillOutMedia.com
4: Email us at SlamDrunkPod at gmail.com. Seriously, we don't give a fuck what you send us. It can be weird photos, it can be questions, it can be suggestions. We don't care.
2: It can be VPN porn. It really doesn't matter. Please, though, do not drink if you are under the age of 21, unless you also happen to be in the land of whales and dolphins, as our August the Dogdest second European correspondent is, where the drinking age is probably somewhere along the lines of 11 years old.
4: Please wear a mask. We're not this thicket yet even though you might have gotten a vaccine or know someone who has gotten a vaccine we're not quite done yet so get your vaccine when you can and wear a mask until then and maybe even a little after ta-ta toodaloo thanks Chris next time
2: are we, are we doing burps now? I gotta drink August you, you, gotta, you gotta hit a burp first Oh! oh here I
1: am Ugh. step host what are you doing